Welcome back to the Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleshman. Alongside me is my co-host and good friend, Nicholas Bear. Nick, how's it going? I'm doing well, Micah. How are you today? I was doing great, and then the file corrupted for the original episode, so here we are doing a second take, I guess. The floodgates have opened, Nicky boy. Liam Hendricks is going to the White Sox. DJ LeMahieu and Corey Kluber will don the pinch stripes, and JT Real Muto is gaining attention. Let's dive in. Liam Hendricks is going to the White Sox on a three-year, $39 million guarantee and an option for a fourth year at $15 million. And here, Nick, is where it gets a little bit interesting. There's a buyout after year three. So if Liam Hendricks pitches like garbage in those three years, which we doubt he will, and the White Sox say, we don't want you anymore, they have a $15 million buyout. Say, here, Liam, here's $15 mil. Go test free agency again. This is one of the better closers, if not the best closer in all of baseball, Nick. How much better does this White Sox team become now? A lot better. The uh, the White Sox still have a lot of questions in the bullpen. They don't really have an eighth inning guy. We don't really know who's any of their setup guys that will lead up to Liam Hendricks. But the White Sox have now added Liam Hendricks and Lance Lynn in the same offseason to a team that already had Dallas Keiko and Lucas Giolito and on offense they had Tim Anderson, Yoan Moncada, and Eloy Jimenez. I think this team is in it to win it now. They're probably the second best team in the American League behind the Yankees right now. And this is just this is another veteran player for the White Sox to bring in to add to the mix of young guys they have. They have a great balance of now both veterans and and young guys, and this team is primed to make a very deep run in the playoffs at the very least. Something that we need to talk about is people do not get on base off this guy. Last two years, opponents hit 197 and 157 against him, and in 2018, where he had a not that great a year, they didn't even hit 270 off the guy. Players do not get on base against Hendricks. And when they do, he strands them 88.6% of the time. So we have to remember, this is the best closer in baseball that just got added to a young, exciting White Sox team that has some veterans, as you mentioned. This team is going to be very good going forward. Do I think they overpaid for Hendricks? Yes. But did they show us that they are ready and they are in it to win it? Yes, they did, Nick. He reminds me a lot of what Kenley Jansen was when Kenley Jansen was in his prime when he was at one time the best closer in baseball. It just felt like when Kenley Jansen would come in, it would just be like, all right, game over, time to leave. He's not blowing this save. That's who Liam Hendricks is now. Of course, Kenley Jansen has fallen off. He's garbage for a closer now. But, you know, now at least the White Sox have someone at the back of the bullpen that they can be like, all right, let's bring this guy in, and he's going to close it out. And I want to go back to who the White Sox have in the starting rotation. We talked about Lance Lynn a while ago, too. Lance Lynn is one of those workhorses who can give you seven to eight innings every game that he pitches. So he could be one of those guys that's like, all right, he goes eight innings, and then Liam Hendricks comes in for the ninth. Like, what more could you ask for for pitchers? Like, that is the perfect scenario 
for any manager to have. A Lance Lynn, and then you can go straight to Hendricks. Hendricks is a guy that when he comes into the game, it's game, set, match 99.99% of the time. If we're losing to a team, if the Yankees are losing to a team, and Hendricks comes in, game over. Chalk it up for a W. I mean, this guy is nasty. People want to talk about, oh, he he fared well in Oakland because it was a pitcher's ballpark. Well, let's look at this. He gave up the same amount of home runs, lefty and righty, um, home and away, okay? This guy is good home, away, pitcher's ballpark, hitter's ballpark. This guy shoves. He's got a nasty heater. His changeup is electric. He's got a good slider curveball. Every single pitch that this dude throws is good, and it's going to get batters out. Oh, this guy, he is some of the nastiest stuff of any reliever in all of baseball. And when you look at who the White Sox have for pitchers, not just in the bullpen with Hendricks, but you add Hendricks to Dallas Keuchel, Lucas Giolito, and Lance Lynn, all of these guys have recently gotten Cy Young votes. This is a stacked team on pitching right now. And you could put up, put those four guys up against almost any other team. And they're going to go toe-to-toe with the, other, with, the, with the opposing team. It doesn't matter how good the other side is. Those guys, even though they may not have – their names might not be as noteworthy, they're still going to go toe-to-toe with those other guys. They are built to win right now. We also need to shine light on the fact that this guy throws strikes. The entire 2019 season, he was only in two 3-0 counts. He pumps strikes. This guy throws strikes. You do not have a chance to walk that much against Hendricks. You cannot go up to the plate with the bat on your shoulder because odds are, if that's your approach, you're taking a turn and you're going back to the dugout and you're saying, what the hell did I just do? I just wasted an at-bat for my team. This guy throws strikes. He gets outs. He gets strikeouts. He's good in low leverage, medium leverage, high leverage situations. You name it, Hendricks can do it and do it with the best of them in the bigs. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, you telling me that he had only been in two, three all counts all year. I mean, that tells me that yeah, he throws a lot of strikes, but at the same time, his stuff has so much movement that it's just very, very nasty, and it's hard for uh, hitters to pick up. They can't just pick it up easily. Yeah, Hendricks doesn't give up the long ball either. I'm looking right here on fan graphs. Against lefties, his long ball percentage is sub-1 at .92, and against righties, oh, .20. This guy is dirty, man. He does not give up the long ball. When players, that's all players try to do nowadays is, is go yard. He is so good. Great signing, Chicago. Good job. Your team is in it to win it. 100%. They are, to me, at the very least, the clear-cut favorites now in that division. It used to be the Cleveland Indians were always at least solid enough to compete in that division. But now the White Sox are 100% the best player in that division. We haven't even brought up the fact that they also have reigning AL MVP Jose Abreu on that team. I know the guy, I didn't even know this until like within the past year. The guy is already in his 30s. I thought he was still in his late 20s, but he's in his 30s now. And the guy just won MVP. Like you just added the best closer in baseball 
to a player that's the reigning MVP in the American League, to a player that has a lot of great young players, to a team that also has Dallas Keiko, Lucas Giolito, and Lance Lynn. You can't ask for much more if you're a manager. Yeah, Abreu doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Let's take a look at this. He broke into the league in 2014, and it's 2020 right now. So he has seven years of service time. In six of those seven years, Abreu has had 100 or more RBIs every single year. And that one year when he didn't, he was injured, and he was still an all-star and a silver slugger at his position. So... This guy is nasty, Nick. This guy is so good. In his rookie year, he led the league in slugging and OPS+. Plus. He was fourth in the, in the MVP voting in his rookie year, and he's only getting the, the, the recognition he deserves now. The knock on him is he isn't a great defender. Well, guess what? He plays first base. He doesn't have to be that great a defender. He just needs to know how to catch the baseball. Yeah, he's one of the most underrated players in baseball. I didn't realize how good he was until he won MVP last year. Like, it's just because the White Sox have never been that good of a team in recent years that he never, ever got the recognition he deserved. Um, but, you know, I can't say much. I mean, listen, Tony LaRusso, he's coming back into the game. He was hired by the White Sox. For someone who comes back into the game like Tony LaRusso, you can't ask for well a better put together roster than they have right now. I don't think I don't think he could be any happier than what he's got to work with right now. Yeah, I mean, let's look at this. Abreu's also done something that not a lot of players have done. 2014 through 2020, 145, 154, 159, 156. This was the only year he was injured. 128, 159, and then all 60 games. He plays in games and not only does he hit bombs he has hits too led the league in hits this year he was top five last year he was in the top five percent the year before this guy is good every offensive category walks doesn't strike out a ton it's for power hits for average he can do it all gets on base at a high rate a who's very good and i'm so happy that he's getting the recognition that he deserves yeah i'm really happy for him and i'm really happy for the white Sox as well i mean they just got the best closer in baseball, in my opinion. I don't think there's really an argument to be made right now. I think it is clearly Liam Hendricks. But, um, yeah, I just – I don't know what more you could ask for for a team that wasn't even that good a couple of years ago. I mean, they, they went from a team that wasn't even that good a couple of years ago to now probably being the second-best team in the American League. Can we talk about how, how Fernando Tati should be on that team? They traded him to the Padres for James Shields. For reference, James Shields is the guy that gave up the home run to Bartolo. Imagine that team with Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. Anyway, let's switch topics because that kind of would give me some nightmares. Second topic. Corey Kluber is a Yankee. The Klubot signs a one-year, $11 million deal with the New York Yankees. Editing Micah, input the reaction. Boy, oh boy, what a great day it is to be a Yankee fan. LeMahieu back in pinstripes, and now we have... Corey Kluber, baby, let's go. We're going to have a two-time Cy Young Award winner, a guy that should have won a Cy Young in in Garrett Cole, a guy that could have won a Cy Young in Luis Severino, and an all-star in Masahiro Tanaka with guys like Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt. 
this rotation is going to be so, so good if we can get Tanaka back, that is. I'm so happy. This is great. Good good move, Cashman. Way to go out, get Kluber. Low risk, hugely high reward. So you heard my reaction. Was it a little bit over the top? Absolutely. But I was very happy. Corey Kluber, a Yankee. Let's go, baby. I mean, we're not going to see all-star ace Corey Kluber again. I don't think so. But Corey Kluber is also taking a gamble on himself here, Nick, with this one-year deal. I think he could have gotten a three, four, five, three, three or four-year deal. I think five's pushing it at his at his age. But he really does think that he can be, uh, you know, the same guy that he once was, and that's why he's taking this one-year prove-me deal. And I like that the Yankees do it, and I like that Kluber does this because – this is the Yankees saying, well, if he sucks really badly this year, you know, we don't need to worry about him next year. And if he's great this year, well, awesome. This is this is great stuff that the Yankees did. Good job by Brian Cashman. He's Kluber's a guy that's going to be great in the clubhouse, going to be great for the younger pitchers like David Garcia and Clark Schmidt. This is a good move. Kluber's bending on himself to be what he was in 2016, 2017, like you said. I think we're not going to see that Corey Kluber again, especially with his age and the fact that either. the past two or three years he's been hurt so much. He's like he's barely pitched the past couple of years. If you take a look at his numbers, I mean, the dude's barely been on the field. He said that that that's it's been difficult for him to do that. Um, but and you know that's kind of a Yankee thing is the Yankees always seem to get hurt, but ho- hopefully he's healthy this year. But even if he could pitch to like. A 3.5 or even a 3.7 ERA, put him behind guys like Garrett Cole, who should have been Cy Young a couple years ago when he was with the Astros, and Luis Severino before Tommy John surgery. He was still really good. I'm not saying he's still going to be really good afterwards because you never really know with guys who get Tommy John surgery. But if Luis Severino can still be the same pitcher he was before, and Garrett Cole is still really good, and I had Corey Kluber it. That might be the best three, uh, uh, one, two, three in rotation in baseball right now. Unless you want to put Corey Kluber at the four, but, you know. And this is a team that everyone was saying, oh, they need pitching, they need pitching. But they were also saying, give will make you a blank check, give will make you a blank check. And this this will shift my conversation to the to, to our will make you topic. Um, but everyone was saying, give DJ a blank check. If they had given DJ what he wanted, five years, 125, Kluber is not a Yankee. They got $5 million to play with, $10 million to play with. They couldn't afford Kluber. They couldn't afford maybe, you know, one more starter, a Taiwan Walker. Tanaka is unlikely to come back, but you never know. He may take a hometown discount. Like, this was a good move by Cashman. And another good move by Cashman is bringing back the machine, baby. DJ LeMahieu's a Yankee, boys. Who's excited? I know Yankees fans are excited. I'm excited. It's a good day to be a Yankees fan. Kluber's a Yankee. LeMahieu's a Yankee. It's like Oprah. You can be a Yankee, and you can be a Yankee. They'll just get them that ring on their finger. You know what I'm saying, man? DJ is back, boys. Six years, nine $90 million. We fleeced him. Great move by Brian Cashman because we give him more years, less AAV. It works good so we can, you know, stand under the luxury tax and go get a Kluber, maybe a Taiwan Walker. This was a great move. Who's excited, baby? 
Yeah, you know, you mentioned the fact that the Yankees stay under luxury tax, and part of the reason why it took DJ LeMahieu and the Yankees to come to terms on a deal is because they do want to stay under the luxury tax. Because in a, sooner rather than later, they'll have to pay Aaron Judge. They still have Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole under contract as well. So that's a lot of money that you're paying quite a few people there. But, you know, DJ LeMahieu, this team is not the same team without him. He's very much the glue guy, I feel like. He's more of a quiet guy, but he's very much a glue guy, I feel like, in the locker room. He just goes about his business, and he's a great – although he's not although he's not very loud, I guess you could say, if not very outspoken, his actions just show what actions a player should be every day. There you go. His actions speak louder than words, and the way he goes about business every day, he is a great role model – inside the clubhouse, off the field, on the field, whatever you want it. And this was a total steal for the Yankees. Like you said, DJ LeMahieu originally wanted a five-year deal over $100 million. I think it was like $125 million he originally wanted. But the Yankees, was, the Yankees were like, no, we can't do that. We want to stay under luxury tax. So then they compromised, and they were like, okay. Yankees said, all right, DJ, we can't give you this money, but we can give you an extra year. With less money. How's that? And DJ's like, okay, fine. I'll do it. And that just goes to show how loyal of a player he is and how much he values winning over money. Because I bet you when he was in Colorado, he really liked being in Colorado. But Colorado's not a winning organization. So he values winning and loyalty. And the Yankees have done things the right way. They've treated him well. So now he owes them to come back. LeMahieu is good, man, and I'm so happy, everybody, that he's back in pinstripes. But what he did will not go unnoticed in the clubhouse by the executives and most certainly by the fans. DJ LeMahieu said, I want to be a Yankee. The Blue Jays offered him more AAV, and he said, nah, I want to be a New York Yankee. And he stayed true to his word, and he's back in pinstripes. And the Yankees fans appreciate that. I'm sure teammates appreciate that. I'm sure the front office definitely appreciates that. And if you just, like, want to learn how to play baseball, sit down and watch DJ LeMahieu hitting highlights because he does it the right way, everybody. Outside pitch, he's going to right field. Inside pitch, he's going to left field. Pitch down the middle, he's taking it right back up the gut. He does everything the right way. He doesn't try to do too much. DJ LeMahieu is going to be one of those guys that ages just fine because he, although he hits, what, 20 to 25 home runs a year, he's not someone that's overly reliant on power. He's reliant on playing the whole field, taking the ball where the pitches and just one of the one of the best professionals in the game i he's a professional man like the the, the word professional if you search a professional in the dictionary it's a picture of david john right there it's just his face that little that smirky grin he does it the right way he plays baseball the way it was intended to be played you know I don't know what more Yankees fans could ask for. I mean, in the in this past week alone, we can ask Corey for Trevor Bauer, Nick. Okay, 
And you guys got Corey Kluber on a low-risk, high-reward deal because, like you said, if he doesn't play well, oh, well. He's gone after next season. And DJ LeMayhew, you got him for six years on less money so the Yankees could stay on their luxury tax. I mean, Yankee fans, I know you're a Yankee fan. You just have to be going crazy right now. It is a good day, everyone. I woke up, turned over uh, to my phone, went downstairs, looked at it. I'm sitting at the table with my dad. And it goes, well, Mayhew's back in pinstripes, and I'm running around the house screaming for a good 60 seconds, man. It was it was a lot of adrenaline, and I was so happy that it happened, and I was happy that Cashman played the waiting game. I really, really was, because as much as you would have loved for it to happen 10, 15, 20 days ago, if that happens, he's getting what he wants, and we're not going to be able to get a pitcher like Kluber and maybe like another starter or a bullpen piece instead. And this team isn't good. Like, I'm telling you, if we sign LeMahieu to a five-year, 125 deal, the White Sox are a better team than us, man. Like, they, they just are because their pitching is better and the Yankees need starters and they don't really have that, right? So they go out, get a starter, get LeMahieu at a cheap deal for longer for longer years. This is a great move by Cashman. It's wonderful. Good job. You know, just to just to finish this off before we get into our AL East, our AL Central wish list, maybe Brian Cashman took a listen to our last episode because we did say the Yankees needed to bring back DJ LeMayhew and they need another pitcher. So Brian Cashman, if you're listening, shout out to you for listening to us. Good job. Shout out to Brian Cashman because we know he's we know he is listening on Apple Podcasts. So good job, Brian! You picked a good podcast to listen to. You should listen to us more often because yeah, bro. Anyway, talked about Lemayhu. Let's just quickly reference JT Real Muto. He is getting some attention. Five years, a hundred million dollars is the reported offer from the Phillies. Nick, where the hell did they get this money from? And maybe they broke into a bank overnight or something and just took some money out of the bank and said, all right, we got more money now. I don't know. But, you know, Bryce Harper had a, had, had a big voice in this. Because you, I can guarantee you right now, when Philadelphia came out earlier this year, or it, it was actually late last year, and they said, they basically said, we don't know if we can afford JT Rumuto. I bet you Bryce Harper was absolutely livid. Because... Bryce Harper, when he signed with Philadelphia a couple years ago, he came and he had a goal of winning. I mean, he signed a long-term deal because he wanted security for his family, but he also wants to win long-term. And in the two years he's been there, they haven't even made the playoffs. So I bet you he was absolutely livid when Philadelphia management come out and said, oh, we don't know if we can bring J.T. Romulo back, the best catcher in baseball. Like, you don't say that when you have someone like Harper on your team who signed for – what was it, 12, 13 years? Something like that, right? Yeah, it was 13 you, you years, 330. Yeah, you don't, you don't say that. So somehow, some way, they came up with this money and said, all right, JT Romuto, we're going to offer you now five years, 100 mil. I don't really know where they got the money from, but I guarantee I, I, you, Bryce I, Harper I, had a big voice. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that Harper had a big voice. I have no clue where they pulled this money from. When McCann signed with the Mets, I think it was kind of like, where's JT going now? And I think Philly was the only option, but then we kind of ruled them out because they said that they literally couldn't re-sign him. Yeah, my best guess is they robbed a bank. 
I have no clue where they got this money from. So, I mean, moving forward, the wish list, yeah, AL Central. Um, we didn't do the wish list last time because Jake was on. So, apologies for that. My bad, I goofed. So, we're going to do the AL Central. First off, the Indians, the spiders, the eight-legged creatures. Like, I mean, they need prospects. They have Nolan Jones, uh, Daniel Johnson, Tristan McKenzie made his debut last year. But this team's a seller. They're going to sell, 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 because they have no money. I mean, if they if they had one magical wish, it'd be money. And that just doesn't happen. Sorry, it doesn't grow on trees. Um, Bieber's probably going to get sold. Sorry, Ramirez is going to get sold. Anyone of any value at all is getting sold. I feel like a broken record saying this, but that this is just what happens when you're a small market team. You can't afford to keep your big-name stars. I mean, we saw a couple of weeks ago they traded away Francisco Lindor to the Mets. I don't think they got a great package in return, by the way, but that's not. it's not time to talk about it. Um, but and now they're going to have to trade away both – Jose Ramirez, MVP candidate, might I add, and Shane Bieber, who was the Cy Young last year. So that's that is hard to swallow for anyone that's a Cleveland fan, but it's also just the reality of being a fan of a small market team. Your team, you're, they just cannot afford to sign anyone to these 10-year, 200 or $300 million contracts. That's just not the way it works. And they need to do a better job getting better prospects because they did not do a good job in the Francisco Lindor Carrasco trade. They just did not. They, I don't even know that they were really trying to get pro- – I don't know what they were trying to do, actually. I mean, they obviously, they were just desperate to get rid of Lindor, I guess. But I don't know. I, I would be surprised if we start next season in 2022 – and Jose Ramirez is still on the Cleveland Indians roster. I think Shane Bieber does still get traded around the trade deadline of this year. Yeah, I mean, sorry, Cleveland sucks to suck. All right, let's talk about another team that sucks, and that's the Twins. They need bullpen health and a playoff win. The last time you guys won a playoff game was October 5th, 2004, and people were hyping this team up in 2019. Oh, they won 100 games. Oh, this isn't your grandfather's Twins. Three games, and your ass was headed back home, right? Because the Yankees took care of business. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry. You need bullpen help. You lost, um, what's his face? You lost uh, blah, 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 Trevor May. You lost Trevor May to, to, to Daddy Cohen in the Mets. You had Tyler Rogers or Taylor Rogers and Tyler Duffy and Trevor May. That was your killer tease in 2019 and 2020. Well, they weren't so killer because you couldn't win a playoff game. So, so, so sucks to suck. Um, you need bullpen help and you need a playoff game win. Nick, there isn't much more to that. There isn't. I. The Minnesota Twins are one of the most confusing teams in baseball to me. A couple years ago, they were also, like, one of the worst teams in baseball. They lost about 100 games, if not over 100 games. Then they came back next year and won, like, 90-something games and made the playoffs. Of course, like we said, they still haven't won a playoff game since 2004, though. But, yeah, the Minnesota Twins are, like, they can be good or they can be terrible. Like, it's really one or the other with this team. So let's talk about a team that also sucks. The Tigers pitching. Hey, whatever. We have nobody. Nick, remember that one year when when uh, um, when Matt Boyd was good? Do you remember that year? 
Yeah, I remember that year. Yeah, I, I don't remember that year because he turned his location services off on the iPhone and threw it into the into the Pacific Ocean or whatever. Like, can somebody please tell me where this dude is? Like, Matthew Boy just jumped off a cliff. Like, I, I mean, this guy is gone. You know, the the starting rotation sucked, and it looked like he was going to be somewhat of a bright spot. They were looking to trade him. Actually, the Yankees were interested in him. And um, Detroit wanted Glaber Torres back. I mean, hello? Glaber Torres for Matthew Boyd? Sure, that's not going to happen. I apologize, Matthew Boyd. Like, you're gone. They have nobody in that rotation now. Casey Mize is, 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 their, is their number one prospect, and I like him, but he's a prospect until proven otherwise. Um, I preach that on this show, but they need pitching, Nick. There's not much more to say about this team. I mean, they're just overall a very bad team. I mean, I'm looking at uh, previous stats right now. You remember uh, Michael Fulmer? I do remember Michael Fulmer. He was really good in his rookie season, and since then he's really dropped off. I mean, this past year in a 60-game season – he started 10 games. Uh, he was 0-2 with an 8.780 ERA. The, the guy is not good. No, not good at all. I mean, there's not much to say about the Tigers. They got nothing going for them right now. Jeez, uh, I couldn't even name one player on that team outside of Miguel Cabrera, who now sucks as well. Yeah, I mean, sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Um, next, we'll go to the White Sox. This will be really quick. They just need an eighth inning guy. Uh, their eighth inning guy right now is Aaron Bummer, um, which that stinks. I mean, like, he's kind of nice, but they're going to lose Alex Colomay most likely. We don't know how much money they have right now to play with, so I guess it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's a bummer that they Oh, don't. my God, stop. Kick him out the Zoom. Kick him. <laughs> they, that they don't have anyone else right now um, besides Liam Hendricks in the bullpen. Um, but you know, you got a guy, like I mentioned earlier, you got a guy like Lance Lynn who can give you seven, eight innings and then you could just bring in Liam Hendricks, but you can't rely on a guy like Dallas Keuchel and Lucas Giolito to consistently give you seven, eight innings and just bring out Liam Hendricks in the ninth. And listen, Liam Hendricks is not going to pitch every game. That's just, just unrealistic. Although Liam Hendricks is very durable. I mean, he pitches almost half a season, but they, they need some more, uh, pitching. Like you said, they're probably going to lose Alex Colomay. So. Got to gotta go find some more relievers. So a lot of these teams, they just need relievers. All right, so let's go to the Royals. This has become like a shitting on the American League Central with the exception of the White Sox. But, I mean, yeah, the Royals need positive progression out of players so they can trade them. They need positive progression out of Josh Stoutman, Whit Merrifield, Adalberto Mondesi, and Salvador Perez because the Royals suck. They need to trade players. I mean, yeah. Josh Dalmont is their most exciting guy. Dude comes in and throws gas, but, like, he's kind of meh. Yeah, Nick. But what's to talk about here? They got Whit Merrifield and Salvador Perez. I mean, those guys are still pretty solid players, but I expect Whit Merrifield to get traded this year. I mean, the, the Royals are just so bad. And we mentioned off air that even when the Royals won the World Series in 2015, they were still a very boring team. They were basically a Lucas Duda accurate throw away from actually losing the World Series that year, if people remember that. So I, there's not much to say about the Royals. They're just 
Yeah, Whatever. I mean, they're just, they're just toast. There's no interest in them for any, from anyone right now. I mean, if Lucas Duda can throw a baseball like a professional, which he is, the Mets are the Mets probably win the World Series. I mean, geez, I, I can't really imagine saying that the Mets win the World Series. Just it, it sounds wrong to say those words out loud, but I mean, it, it's true, you know? So, I mean, yeah, that'll do it for the AL Central wish list, and that'll do it for today's episode of the Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleischman. And I'm Nicholas Bear. You can find this show where, Nick? On Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Micah underscore 0416. That is at M-I-C-A-H underscore 0416. And on Instagram at E-N-V-Y-M-I-C-A-H. That is at N-V-Micah. And you can follow me on Twitter at NicholasBear7. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-B-A-E-R. And the number seven, I have no idea why the number seven is in there. And on Instagram at NicholasGolfer. That is N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-G-O-L-F-E. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Baseball Plug. I'm your host, Micah Fleischman. Just wanted to wish everybody a happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really lets us know how we're doing. Or DM us on any of our social medias. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.